Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor is going to distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk, we talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's DC Movie News. In the Great Hall of the Justice League, there are assembled the world's four greatest heroes, created from the cosmic legends of the universe. Superman. Wonder Woman. Whoa. That's Roxy. <laughs> Wonder Woman herself, yes. What's up? How are you guys doing? Uh, fantastic. Fantabulous. Yeah. Yes. How are you doing, Sir Adam? Well, um, this is um this is a nice respite for me. As you guys know, I've actually I'm one of the few people that's, I don't know, I guess lucky enough to, that I've been working more than ever um, in the restaurant that we opened, the Ghost Kitchen. Um, so this is a great change from that and that I've just mostly been on my feet and, and cooking, which I love. Um, but this is great to kind of talk about some more fun stuff. And what a great episode we have today. It's so good yeah. to be here. What's up? Mike Kalinowski's here. Yeah, I'm here, guys. I'm here. I'm, yeah, you know. Mikey, why wouldn't you put your hand in with us at first? What's going on with you? I couldn't see it for a second. I was having some video issues. Oh. But I was fixing it. Yeah, I'm fixing it. I'm here. This is Mikey on week three of not having Twitter. So I, I think that's where what the energy is coming from. Is that making you feel more isolated, Mike? No, it just sucks. It's because I, I now realize that that is my primary um, interaction with fans and stuff and friends is Twitter especially globally. Uh, and it sucks. It, I mean, I, I'm just all hoping it's on the fact that they're going through what everyone's going through. People are being laid off. So there's no customer support. Um, it's what it is. You know, maybe when we come back, I got to kind of rethink my social media and maybe Twitter's not the way to go with it. Uh, yeah, that's what we are. We believe in you, Mike. We believe in you. Yeah. <laughs> oh come on there are worse things i know hey i know that could be a heck of a lot worse stuff in the world right now i'm not i'm not yeah twitter that's just a little thing so mike what have you basically been doing what do your days look like uh in isolation um well i'm a stay-at-home dad now with two dogs because she's okay. the only one working in this house uh so i i get up and i usually do two workouts a day i do a cardio in the morning and i do a weight later in the afternoon Mm-hmm. Uh, I sit outside, I lay in the sun and I read. Um, then I usually spend a couple hours writing my book. And then I finish the night usually watching two movies. That's my, that's what I do now, guys. That's, that's all I'm doing. Ask guys, me, ask me. I do. Roxy. Yeah. What's your self-isolation like? Well, I've been doing a lot of great stuff, but one of my favorite things that I did look at this transition right here was last night I actually was privileged enough to watch the first episode of the second season of Harley Quinn and I cannot talk about uh the episode yet as it hasn't dropped but 
that is what I will be doing with the rest of my time today. I have two more episodes in the queue waiting to be watched. And I am so, so amped on that show. I've got my Harley fucking Quinn shirt on. I, I didn't just swear in the middle of that word. No, that, it literally that's the says, shirt. Yeah, that's what, <laughs> that's what the shirt is um, that they sent me, that Warner Brothers sent me pre-Birds of Prey. Uh, I feel like as we go more and more into this quarantine, I've got some hair dye in my house. We might be seeing some pink blue stuff happening. I definitely rocked pigtails all day yesterday. So I'm living my best Harley life right now. And that seemed pretty fitting of today's show. I love seeing people's quarantine hair. Mine is looking a little styled right now, but in the morning I look like a British mod rocker. It's like coming around here. So much fun. Nobody we don't even know what Mikey's got going on under that hat. Well, I'm just going to say this. I think by the end of this quarantine, uh, I'm going to be rocking the Chris Evans Infinity War look. Um, I think that's where my I'm going to be headed. It's headed it's, there. With the sure. beard and my hair. So it's going to get long. <laughs> I'm not um, it. You know, Roxy, you brought up Harley Quinn. And it's funny, like, I love hearing about people's watching habits. But I noticed that, like, I want to watch really fun out there stuff i want to watch entertaining stuff i haven't even started westworld same same and i love the show and i'm like i'm saving it up but i can't get like the weightiness of a fictional show just Mm -hmm. i don't know it feels trite right now for some reason you know and i just kind of like and i'm usually getting home kind of late so to get into a really heavy show is not great but uh i've been watching fun stuff obviously i watch tiger king like everyone else i didn't watch that well, then you are far I, behind. I say, I say no. I will not watch it. Shannon had, Shannon had about five minutes of it on. And I was like, get out of this house. I am not going to. And Roxy, let me say, also say this, because you know I don't watch reality TV, but I had to watch Blind, blind whatever, Blind Love. Is love. Blind, yes. That show was good for two episodes, and then it was crap for the rest. It was awful. It ah. was awful. Mikey, stick it to the man Christmas. You have no taste right now. Uh, the big man from Twitter has not dulled. Uh, the sharpness of his rape here. Not, not yes. at all, Adam. But not Adam, I completely agree with you uh, where I am having a hard time watching a lot of live action, mm. very heavy pieces during this time. Uh, honestly, I'm, I'm looking for escapism TV, as I'm calling it, where it's just like, this is not my planet. This is not my world. This is mm-hmm. so out there and something I'm not unfamiliar with. Uh, and that's why I couldn't be more excited that this show is coming back. I know that all three of us were massive, massive fans of the Harley Quinn animated series uh, season one. And it <clears> came <throat> back It came back uh, quicker than we knew it. Yeah, quicker well, it's back I... today, right? It's mm-hmm. back today. April 3rd is the uh, the premiere. Um, yeah, it's kind of like a sneakily, like not just uh, one of the funniest animated shows, but just one of the funniest irreverent shows period end of sentence right that came out of nowhere yeah i certainly wasn't expecting it um but man wouldn't it be be something if we had a little bit more insight into the show if it wasn't just the three of us it's only you'd think so that would make great great content but i don't know how we can make that work producer ryan is there i mean do you have any insight is there anything you could offer well, guys, one thing we could do is we could bring on two of the writers themselves, Patrick Halpern and and uh, Ju- sorry, Justin Halpern and Patrick Schumacher, right now. What? I dream of Jeannie Wink. Everybody, put it into what? existence. Hey, look at that! Hey. Wow! Welcome, guys. Welcome, Patrick and Justin. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Oh, thanks for being here, guys. 
Of course. Um, have you guys been doing um, like a, a round of shows kind of like in this format to promote season two? Uh, most of the time, people don't want to look at our faces. So this is the first <laughs> on-camera one that we've gotten to participate in, most, mostly just phoners. Well, yeah, no, so one's thank ever, you. no one's ever looked at us and been like, you know what, let's do this on video. <laughs> oh, wow. oh, come on. <laughs> Two good-looking gents right there. Uh, but for promotion for this, how has it been going? How how has all of uh, the stops been going? Have people been pretty excited about the season two? Yeah, everybody seems really amped for it. Um, you know, obviously uh, we have a captive audience at home now. So uh, <laughs> what are you going to do? Just watch the show. You have nothing else to do. <laughs> now all of your friends who have told you guys that they just, they don't have time, they'll get to it. You're like, okay, this is a bunch of BS lying. We know where you are. Sit down, watch the show. No excuses. Yeah. Play like a champion. Well, I've already excommunicated those people from my life. So <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> Can I ask? Um, I can't because those are my family. <laughs> oh my gosh! How did you guys um, develop the show? How did it even fall in your lap? Uh, we got. We're on a. Uh, we've been on a deal at Warner Brothers for a while, and in probably 2016, we got a call from uh, the president of Warner Brothers TV saying, hey, would you guys be interested in doing an R-rated animated Harley Quinn? And that's the only thing that they knew. Um, and we were like, yeah, absolutely, we would be into doing that. <laughs> um, so we developed it for a really long time. And then in, uh, we had a couple other projects we were working on that we had to finish. And then in 2017, in November of 2017, we started the writer's room which gives you an insight into how long animation takes. Wow. What made you guys immediately say, hell yeah, we want to work on that? Were you big Harley fans? Were you just excited by the prospect of it being this like R-rated version of Harley? Or, or what made you guys initially decide, yes, we're definitely doing this? Oh, yeah. I mean, it was, it was kind of all of the above. Um, I've been a comic book geek, geek my whole life, pretty much. Uh, since like maybe 89 90 i mean the jim lee x-men run was such a, i know this is a dc podcast oh, no, 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 no. jim lee's great i have an x-men tattoo because of jim ah. lee and uh and uh so yeah no i uh you know was following comics following harley followed jim over to dc and then of course margo was just you know in the in the zeitgeist and the suicide squad movie had had just come out, I think, at the time that they contacted us about this. And, you know, Harley was just such a huge deal as she remains. And uh, so, yeah, it was kind of a, it was kind of a no brainer. And uh, we had also just, um, you know, we were, we were at the time just starting to consult on a show called Powerless uh, that we ended up um, running into the ground. And uh, ground and, that uh, I really liked though, by the way. Yeah, Where no, it was a good show. We, we were, we were I, I really enjoyed that show, I gotta say. Yeah, yeah. So it was, you know, gone too soon, but uh, I got a little love in the New York Times the other other week. <laughs> they were running out of stuff to watch at this point. They've been home for two weeks and they're like, oh, what's this? Oh, this isn't bad. Check it out. So, um, uh, yeah, so we had already kind of been uh, immersed a bit in the DC world um when this came about and yeah it just kind of it just felt like a no-brainer and so the opportunity to do yeah the r-rated thing to delve into animation justin and i are both you know big animation fans as well particularly tv animation 
comedies. Um, and so, uh, yeah, it was just, it was, it was just a no brainer for us. And also they told us, they were like, it would be serialized. We want to do a serialized thing. And that was something that was new to us. We, we were, you know, primarily involved in live action, very episodic television with, you know, a lot of standalone storylines. And so this was a huge opportunity to do something that we had been longing to do in that way as well. At the time, was there conversation about Margot Robbie? Because there hasn't been that much crossover in the DC TV and DC cinematic universes, although we did see it with Ezra Miller and Flashpoint, and, and there have been some touch and go things. Um, was there ever conversation about Margot coming in to voice the character? Yeah, in, well, the, in had... the early days. But yeah, go ahead, Justin. No, no, I was going to say, I think it was more that when we were starting up our show they were also starting birds of prey and i just remember we had to sit and, and talk with Margot about like what we were had to like basically pitch her what we were doing because she wanted to know because they were developing birds of prey and i remember at one point it was like me and pat and a few other executives and then Margot and jeff johns and uh and we pitched out what we were doing. And then Margo was like, this sounds a lot. She said to Jeff, she was like, this sounds a lot like what I'm doing. And Jeff was like, trust me, these are like not <laughs> similar whatsoever in terms of the tone. The tone is going to be way, 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 way different. Um, and and that's, it, it was true. I mean, but we sort of operated in a vacuum where we didn't really know exactly what was happening with birds of prey and like occasionally we'd be like hey can we check out a script and they'd be like hey fuck you uh and so we never really we never really got to read it so we didn't know what was going on um so we were just like look we're gonna do the show we want to do they'll tell us if it's gonna be too similar to that we we had probably like three or four conversations with margo um and and then we kind of just like we're off when was the first time that you actually heard the Birds of Prey story or saw the movie or read the script? In the theater. The trailer wow. oh my God. The theater was the first time we saw it. Wow. We even tried to get like an early screening of it. I can't remember why they said no, but they definitely did. Wow. That's, that's, well, that's insane was, to me. That's insane. Well, I mean, I, we, did, we didn't try super hard. I mean, yeah. at that point, it was like the ship has sailed, you know, what, you know, let's be surprised in the theater, but also, like they do employee screenings at Warner Brothers, but we're actually contractors. So sometimes the contractors don't get invited to the employee screening. Uh, oh. So yeah, we actually we actually played hooky on uh, opening weekend and saw it like that Friday afternoon at lunch uh, at, over at like the AMC in Burbank. Um, yeah, yeah. Can I ask why why were they so sure that they wanted to go for an R-rated tone out the gate? Because the character was developed on a, you know, a daytime animated show. Obviously, she's grown a lot over the years and Suicide Squad, but even that wasn't rated R. So how did they know that they wanted to make that jump? That's a good, That's a good question. question. I, they, they just presented it that way to us. And then we were like, well, I'm not going to question it. <laughs> so, you know, I, I can only assume that, you know, there, there was an edge to her in, you know, with the Suicide Squad film that was appealing. Um, you know, obviously. I think Daredevil I, had just made a ton of money, too. Oh, Deadpool. 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 Sorry, Deadpool had just made a ton, a ton of money, too. Yeah. The other red guy. Um, yeah. So, so. I think that was definitely, you know, uh, you know, part of it that, you know, R-rated 
you know, uh, superhero comedies can work. Um, yeah. So, but we never, we never were like, well, I don't know. What do you think about PG-13? <laughs> so we never, we never had the opportunity to ask or even thought of it or just like, just, just go, just do it. Just do I it think, as fast as possible before they tell us no. I think also a big part of our pitch was that uh, the show would have like realistic dialogue, a kind of overlappy, like uh, bantery dialogue and that we wanted our whole pitch was that when villains are probably like just hanging out on their own, like you think like Joker kills people, but he doesn't say fuck. I mean, I, I feel like he probably does. <laughs> so uh, our whole pitch was like, hey, this is going to be kind of like a behind the scenes of these people's lives. And they probably speak this way. Speaking of Joker, there were obviously some characters I'm sure you guys assumed you were able to use, but I was surprised watching season one how many characters they actually let you guys play with. Was there ever conversation about somebody you wanted to use and they could put the kibosh on it or were you guys just given free reign in the sandbox to pick whoever you guys wanted? Yeah, I mean, I, I, we were pretty much given free reign. I, you know, early days, I think when when we were just figuring out what the show is, it was so different than anything that, that DC and that Warner Brothers Animation had done before, or that Warner Brothers Television had done before. So, you know, it was definitely like, uh, you know, there, there were some, some pregnant pauses on notes calls and things like that. But ultimately, you know, we tested two of the episodes in animatic form and like people just ate them up like from casual fans to people who you know called themselves diehard uh dc fans and it was kind of at that point uh obvious that we, we could get away with a lot in terms of the fan base and i think at that point um you know any any sort of um i don't know reluctance to let us really uh go crazy was was sort of lifted um, you know, the biggest conversation was probably our portrayal of uh, Commissioner Gordon. I mean, he's, I mean, he's, you know, in the comics generally has been portrayed while he's, you know, a, a suffering, uh, you know, sort of uh, hero. He's a hero nonetheless. And, you know, he is, he is sort of, uh, you know, a square jawed, um, you know, incorruptible type of uh, of of hero and 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 in our version we were like well you know a lot of discussion early on about how Gotham City it's it's the most dangerous city in the world uh, you know uh, what would that do psychologically to the the commissioner of the police force when every day of his life is the David Fincher film Seven and so we said well, okay yeah. he's going to be he's going to be frazzled he's going to be a wreck. <laughs> Um, but we also love this, the comedic note of him uh, loving Batman and looking up to Batman like, yeah. um, you know, he is the superhero that uh, yeah. he's really, Gordon's very childlike in his wonder around Batman. Justin, did you have um, a, a conversation about like Batman? Like how much Batman do you use in a show that's where he's not the lead, but people are going to be expecting it? It seems like you struck just the right amount of it. So, and, and I have to think that that's something that Warner's thinking about all the time because we know there will be another Batman animated series and how much back do you dole out? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was, I think, the biggest, that was, a, aside from Gordon, that was probably the biggest discussion. What we sort of realized early on was that if you have Batman in a scene or you have Joker in a scene, 
they tend to be the focus of the scene. And so we wanted them, our sort of rule was like, they only exist in so much as how they affect Harley and her story. So that was kind of our, our unspoken rule was like, these guys can show up, but it's not their show. We have to remember it's not their show. Um, and so I think, you know, we tried to use Batman when he felt like he was important to the story and he was going to serve the story in a way that no other character in Gotham City could. Um, and then also, I think, you know, we wanted to keep Batman Batman, you know, like right. even though it's a crazy, wacky comedy, like he is the straight man in this comedy. Um, and, uh, and and so I think, you know, it was a, uh, at some points we had Batman in a little more, a few points we had him in a little less. Uh, and then I think, yeah, it's good to hear you felt that way because we sort of were trying to strike the right, the right amount of Batman because he's such a larger than life character. Right. Yeah. And you don't make a clown of him. Like, like every, like it's funny, but yeah, he's still Batman. Like you said, it, Commissioner Gordon kind of is a little <laughs> bit. Of a yeah. And yeah. That was too, our one thing. Yeah. And we get to see a little bit more of a comedic side, I think to Bruce Wayne in season two, you know, he's missing when the season, uh, you know, opens and then, uh -huh. uh, you know, all of a sudden he's, he's sort of, well, I don't want to, I don't want to spoil right. it for those. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but Bruce, Bruce is a part of season two and, uh, and we get to play into his sort of petulance when it comes to wanting to get back into the field and playing superhero in Gotham and saving the city, even though he's, he should be uh, recuperating um, from having been, uh, you know, put into a coma at right. the end of uh, of season one. So there's a there's a, a bit of a, a a friendly antagonism between uh, Bruce and Alfred, uh, voiced by Tom Hollander, whose dry wit is hilarious. Speaking about uh, some other conversations you guys probably had to have with each other, and also you had mentioned the fan base earlier, uh, and keeping in mind that I asked this question as a Jewish woman who's obsessed with your first season of the show and what I've seen in the second one, uh, but fan bases can be, I, I, I saw overall, everybody loved this show. Um, but I did read one article and I was wondering if you guys saw it a while ago about one person who was upset about the choices you guys made with Penguin. Did you guys see any of that? Saw that. Yeah. No, I, cause I'm Jewish. Uh, so yeah, there was, they, they felt like it was sort of, it was interesting because they, they felt like the portrayal of Penguin was like kind of an anti-Semitic portrayal. And I thought that was really interesting because, you know, not only am I Jewish, but half the writing staff was also right. Jewish and, and we're, we, we were thinking about that episode, which is like takes place in the penguin is throwing a bar mitzvah for his nephew. And the theme is like robbing, it, it is like, you know, they're robbing the bank because that's kind of what supervillains do. And that was the way that we looked at it. And then I read the article and the article was like, this is an anti-Semitic portrayal because it's the penguin and he's trying to get his uh, son to like, covet as much money as possible and I was like oh god that is absolutely not our intention there was six Jewish writers in the room it didn't ring any bells for us at the time I think right. we we're pretty sensitive about that you know um and I think that it was definitely something when I read it I was like you know what like this was this person's experience reading it like I didn't I don't want to like invalidate the way that they felt when they watched it because I feel like you know 
even if you're Jewish, you can make anti-Semitic stuff, you know, but I, I, you know, I, I res- tried to respond to that person and say, look, like our intention was we were making like super villain jokes. It just so happened that the penguin was robbing a bank. Yeah. And I could see how those stereotypes have a lot of overlap. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think when I get things like that, uh, my feeling is always to like, think about it and, and, you know, think about like what we were doing and was this our intention? And if it wasn't our intention, you know, should we have been thinking about something else? And, and I think, you know, ultimately, uh, you know, I didn't get that same response uh, that they did, but I can understand where their response came from. I think that's very, uh, very generous of you. I, I didn't quite understand their complaints as much as you did. So, uh, but I, I think that's a great way of looking at it. Was there anything else from season one to season two that you guys were like, mm, we want to try to make this adjustment or we, we liked what we did here, but maybe we'll try it this way going forward. Um, I think, you know, we just, we, we mapped out the second season, you know, in its entirety and, you know, the storyline that we came up with had some kind of extra spaces for sort of diversions from the main storyline. So there's a couple of episodes that kind of break the formula of, of the first season. Um, we do a flashback episode um, that uh, sort of reframes Harley's meeting Joker and Ivy for the first time at Arkham um, and, and, and actually influences the show moving forward in, in the present or in the present timeline of the show. And then um, the second uh, episode that kind of diverges is, is a Batman-centric episode in kind of smack in the middle of the season um, that, that just focuses on basically what Bruce has been up to um, during during all uh, you know all the new new Gotham and the post post quake Gotham and the no man's land nod and all of that so and and how he's dealing with you know there being maybe other vigilantes uh, trying to clean up the city in his stead and how does he feel about that and does he handle that with the maturity that a hero might and maybe that's not the case so you know those are those are things that we talked about you know uh, I mean, like for example like. I'm a big fan of the show like Man Seeking Woman and every every season they would do one episode that is told from his sister's perspective and and uh, you know kind of breaks that formula and I, I just I like when shows do that so it, it just felt like a fun opportunity to just get creative with it. I think also we started thinking about like what are the things that were very successful in the first season that we really enjoyed like we really enjoyed Bane and we love James Adomian's performance of Bane. And I'm so we glad like, you mentioned get him. More Bane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we were like, let's get more Bane in the show. I think it was like, uh, you know, we, we just really liked that idea of this. I remember when we were first coming up with the character of, of our, what our take of Bane was going to be, Shane Glines, who designed all the characters, who also like worked under Bruce Tim, did a bunch of Justice League, like he's done uh Vitas, like he's done a bunch of stuff he's really talented and we were talking with Shane and, and Shane came back with the the drawing of Bane and he was like I kept thinking about Bane as a guy who works out his upper body a lot but never does leg day because like, <laughs> he can't see it as much 
<laughs> and we were like, I remember thinking about that and being like, yes, that's perfect. That's exactly who this guy is. And then James came on and voiced him and did such an amazing job. We just kind of built on that. And then, you know, the other thing we were really interested in is, is Lake Bell and Kaylee Cuoco's versions of Harley and Ivy okay, and their yeah. relationship together. And that felt like that was, that was what we wanted to make the bulk of the second season about because these two characters have such good chemistry. Like, let's explore that. That's amazing. Are, are you, um, side note, have you listened to uh, the Underculture, James Adomian's podcast at all? Yeah, it's so good. He's one of the funniest people. I'm so glad you brought him up because uh, I, I just think he's just incredible. And, and Lake Bell as well. Like, what a, like, a, a wisdom and a grounded character. Like, in, in this show that is so wacky and over the top, her, she's just so down to earth and still funny. Like, that was, why, why did you decide to make, like, Poison Ivy this character that was, like, going to be, like, keep Harley Quinn somehow tethered to planet Earth? Yeah, I mean, I think that was that was the intention from the, from the very beginning when we pitched the show back in 2016. We always used the shorthand of Ferris Bueller uh, and Cameron Fry and Harley's Ferris and 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 Ivy's Cameron. And uh, yeah, Harley's like the consummate optimist. Thinks that you know she's Teflon. Like she's she's she'll get into any sort of trouble because she thinks she's always going to squeak out. And Ivy is the voice of reason and the reluctant companion. And like, she loves Harley and Harley loves Ivy, but like, yeah, they're just, they're just, it's, it's a, you know, it's a trope that works is that, you know, this, this odd couple thing. And we were like, well, we haven't, you know, we haven't seen that too many times uh, in, in animated comedies, um, you know, and it's particularly not with these characters. So yeah, it just felt like a, like a natural fit. And, and Lake was one of the, the first, actors who came aboard um the cast and and once she came aboard i think um we were really able to lean into the sort of like daria of it all <laughs> uh and and lake just you know just brings that kind of uh that apathy to it i guess um so uh yeah, yeah. i think what I think I think one of the things was Lake's Lake's uh, audition was like one of the first to uh, like desexualize the character a little bit. Like a lot of people play Poison Ivy in the past as being like a seductress and very breathy and like and we were getting some auditions that were like that. And Lake came in with this like I'm so fucking over it kind of audition. <laughs> And we were like, yes, that's it. Like, this is a woman who doesn't care about, like, hates human beings. Why would she be trying to fuck them? Like, she, she, can, she, she would be this, like, sort of over it, a little bit, like, desexualized person, uh, or at least, like, inhibited. Um, and, and so I think, yeah, that really helped us kind of figure out the character. We have some questions coming in. We have a, a live chat from the fans that they want to know. Are you guys game to take a couple of these questions? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Uh, coming from Manny Gonzalez, he says, "I'd like to know how long the show will be planned for, and what other surprises we will get." So obviously, don't no no surprise spoilers. But how what long surprises? you guys are thinking, uh, and what kind of things we can expect down the pipeline? We we'd like to know that too, Manny. Um, <laughs> right now, we have just this second season that's that's completed uh, or close to completed. 
Um, and then, you know, we're, we've, Pat and I have kind of like had some preliminary discussions about what a season three would look like, but we don't have an order for a season three uh, yet, hoping that we do. Um, and I think in terms of surprises for the second season, uh, you know, I think all, we, we put all of our eggs in this basket of like, diving into what Harley and Ivy want, you know? And so that's really what we explore. Uh, Ivan in here, Ivan Soto says, can you ask them if viewers are supposed to root for Harley and her friends? Mm. I hope so. <laughs> that's the intention. <laughs> that was, yeah, that was always our intention. So, I mean, we do in the writer's room. So yes, please, please hope for them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, I, I don't think we, we try to make it clear that Carly has her own moral code. It's not exactly in line with the law, but, um, you know, if you can get behind that, which we hope you can, um, that's what's going to guide her. Uh, Larry Lee says, did you guys have to make a show Bible for the series? I guess I wouldn't call it like a show Bible. It was like a very lengthy pitch. <laughs> um, but yeah, we when we pitched the show initially, it was just kind of the first arc. Um, you know, we had the second arc in the back of our heads, but like it would have just been a seven hour long pitch if we had, uh, <laughs> if we had, had taken the second season into account. So yeah, I mean, the early days, I guess what I would call the, the show Bible or uh, a mini Bible was like, uh, you know, just, just kind of the characters that you see in the crew. Um, so, and, and then just like the main kind of arc. Um, a lot of the crew members uh, remain since the original pitch. Uh, we, we had like Killer Croc in the crew initially. He was replaced by Clayface because we just thought that, um, you know, the take that, that Alan Tudyk voices on the show it was just a, a much more comedic, obviously comedic sense than what we could do with Killer Croc. Um, so that was one of the changes. We had a couple like original characters that were were in it or like kind of obscure characters from outside kind of Gotham that DC was like, um, like we had Dex Star, the Red Lantern blood vomiting cat in it, which was just like, well, that's just insane. Let's make him a member of the crew. And then DC was like, that actually within the logic of our universe doesn't make any sense. And we're like, okay, <laughs> we'll replace them with somebody else. So, um, yeah, but we, so, so we did, I guess, yeah, the pitch was sort of our, our Bible. Fair enough. Um, Ashlyn Burns says, how did you guys celebrate the season two premiere? Uh, <laughs> I made a breakfast burrito. And <laughs> yeah. I stared out the window and wondered when the world was going to turn around. <laughs> fair, fair answers. Fair. Um, just taking a couple more. Jenna James says, what other DC characters are you interested in making a show for as well? So I don't know whether that's a spinoff or just completely separate. Wow. Um, yeah. Well, I, I think Justin would agree that Bane probably gets his own series at some point <laughs> in our fantasy world um as a spinoff and then I, I really do think that like something like booster gold would just be a, an awesome uh adult animated show um if we could ever get that off the ground we haven't pitched it uh but, but that's we do that, like 
email them every couple months and ask them what the deal with booster gold is and they just say no <laughs> <laughs> i think keep trying we'll see uh, do you guys have any insight as to um i know you're probably gonna not but the future or the plans for dc universe as it stands and how much new content is coming down the pike there with hbo max and everything else happening Right. Yeah. Um, you know, we're kind of out of those conversations. They're, they're sort of the Olympian view of the whole thing. Um, you know, we've seen, as I'm sure you guys have talked about on the show, shows like um, Doom Patrol, you know, they get a season two, it's going to be on HBO Max and DC Universe. So there's some shared shows between the two. Um, honestly, we don't know. We've, we've asked that same question of the executives over at Warner Brothers. I, I don't know that, that anyone knows yet what's gonna happen, but um, you know, as far as we know, DC Universe is going to continue. Um, yeah. Do you guys have a, a hope? Would you hope that your show stays on DC Universe and also goes on HBO Max? I know that some of the shows are doing um, HBO, DC, and then CW. Yeah. Obviously yours being R-rated is a little different, but what would you guys want to see? Yeah, I think, you know, for us, we just want as many people to be able to watch it as possible. I think that any anybody who, you know, creates a show, you just want there to be as many possible eyeballs as possible, you know, as there can be. Um, so for us, you know, it'd be great if it also was, you know, first window at DCU and then goes to HBO Max or goes somewhere else. You know, I think that that would be um great and i think those things all help us in terms of getting a, a green light for more seasons as well because they help pay for it um yeah, yeah. i mean it, it, it's there's you know i always think it's funny when like sometimes we'll have friends that pitch shows and they'll be like oh i don't want this to go to amazon or i don't want this to go to <laughs> wherever and I'm like, why? <laughs> like, don't just get it. Like, who cares? If you're lucky enough to get a TV show on the air. Like, just fuck it. Wherever it can go and start from there. Yeah. And I think, like, the pilot of Harley uh, ended up on, like, TBS. And I think, you know, we can't talk about it yet. But there, I think there's going to be some news coming down the pike uh, that, that some, some other places are going to be uh, showing Harley to people who may not have DC Universe. Whoa! That's That's great, guys. There are uh, people asking about other voice actors that um, have played Harley in the past, and if you guys looked at any of them um, prior to casting Kaylee. Yeah, I mean, we, Kaylee was like, are like a no brainer in terms of like actually voicing Harley for us. Mm. Um, you know, we just liked the take that she had, um, you know, which evolved over time, you know, we went back and got to re-record a few episodes, really fine tune it. But, um, you know, in terms of like Arlene Sorkin and Tara Strong, I mean, if they would have us, I think like doing, uh, you know, voices on the show, you know, they're still working, going strong. Um, it would be amazing to have them, Kevin Conroy, you know, any anyone who was, you know, heavily featured from like BTAS would be awesome to have on the show. So yeah, if we get that opportunity to do those sorts of things, that would be that would be great. Speaking of BTAS, you worked with Paul Dini and Bruce Tim on uh at least season one. Is that is that true? Well, uh not Paul, but um, but Bruce is still over at um, 
at Warner Brothers Animation. And so when we were pitching the show, um, you know, he was part of the discussions. Um, and, 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 and so, you know, we were definitely like biting our fingernails, like hoping that he liked it, just being, you know, fanboys and all of that. And uh, so, yeah, when, when we kind of heard through the grapevine that Bruce dug the show, uh, yeah, we were, we were elated. Um, but yeah, we, we got to have a few discussions with him in the very early days about what we wanted to do with the show. And uh, yeah, and, and he seemed on board. So speaking of uh, people digging the show, what has, cause we know the fan reception has been amazing, but what has uh, the, the expert uh, perception been? What, how have people who work at Warner brothers or maybe some of the uh, actors, actresses, what have they said about the show? That that response has been really great. I think when we were first when we were first writing the pilot for it, Warner's I think was like kind of trying to wrap their head around it. I remember them being like, "What is this like?" And we were like, "I don't know. It's not really like <laughs> anything." And they're like, "It has to be like something." And we were like, "I don't know. It's kind of a mix of these. You know, it's a little bit uh, Venture Brothers. It's a little bit Rick and Morty. It's a little bit, you know, uh, Tarantino movies. It's like all these things. And and, and so I think they were having, they were worried a little bit, you know, because it's hard when you don't have a perfect analog to say, oh, this is this meets this, or this is just like this show. Um, And so I think it wasn't until we tested the shows and they tested really well, that's that Warner Brothers was like, okay, people are really responding to this. Um, this is good. And, I, and, and, you know, DC and Warner Brothers were so uh, supportive of the show, you know, like we've never, we've never worked at Marvel. I heard a little bit about like what was going on with Deadpool, uh, the cartoon and things like that. And, and how there are a lot of like, you know, restrictions, but I think DC in a great way will give you the rope to hang yourself, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And and I think uh, they allowed us to do that. And they were just like amazing partners on this show. Like I, I honestly can't say enough good things about the way that DC and Warner Brothers supported this show. And you can see it in the show. It's like they're, so often we get comments where they're like, how the hell did Warners or DC allow you to do this? Or do X or do yeah. Y? And we were like, look, they just wanted it. I remember the first meeting we took, Jeff Johns was like, look, just make it funny. And that was like his mandate and everything flowed from that. I know that you talked to her beforehand and a few times you said, but has Margot Robbie said anything after? Did she watch any of the episodes? Do you guys know? I know we sent her uh, or they sent her, I think at least the pilot. I don't know. Um, we never heard, we never heard anything back. Um but I Jared think Leto sent us a box of shit. <laughs> <laughs> but that was to show how much he liked it. Um, well, yeah, he was in character. He was in character. Yeah, he's still in character to this day. Um, <laughs> no, uh, but I, I, yeah, I mean, Margot was always really kind and gracious in those meetings, um, and she seemed like supportive of of what we were doing. We never really got any feedback from her, but she's also a big busy movie star <laughs> so you know I don't know that she's going to take time out of her day and be like hey I remember those two weird guys that I met for a couple hours uh I'll get back to them um but <laughs> but uh uh 
uh, no, we never really heard anything. Um, but we did hear that the head of Warner's um, features, who, you know, obviously produced Birds of Prey and all the DC movies, really liked it. So that was cool. Would you guys, uh, I'm assuming the answer is yes, but would you guys want to do live action stuff for them as well? Oh, like in the feature world? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Again, I mean, we we, we bugged, really we bugged them do about them. call over there and be like, yeah. 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 At least they're taking your calls. <laughs> and and only sending you poop instead of used condoms, you know. It could be yeah. worse. <laughs> it was actually yeah. poop in a condom. Uh, no, oh, nice. <laughs> Uh, Daniel Drew in the chat says, are there any takes on upcoming characters that are different from what the audience would expect that you're excited for? Yeah, I would definitely say our take on dark side is a little, what do you, what do you, I don't know. What do you think, Pat? Um, yeah, well, yeah, sure. He's, uh, he's used to more comedic effect. Uh, than, than he is in the, in the book. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think... Uh, uh, Mr. Know, Freeze. I know, I'm like, sorry, I'm like thinking, I'm like, oh, we're live. Um, yeah, Mr. Freeze, <laughs> Alfred Molina. Um, <laughs> Alfred Molina had a really interesting, you know, take and voice for him. Um, he's, he's just this kind of like... Uh, almost like hammer horror, like gothic horror figure who's just a weirdo and who everybody, like Harley just assumes that he like encased his wife, uh, you know, in a cryo chamber to like <laughs> keep her as like a curiosity. And he still sort of like talks to her and treats her as in the show as if she's alive and he feeds her and he like, <laughs> you know, he's like, he like, he, he uses her almost like, a husband and wife, uh, a husband and wife would like do bits at the dinner table, um, you know, uh, like pre-rehearsed things. And so, uh, so yeah, Mr. Freeze is one that he shows up. I want to say in episode four of season two. Um, yeah, yeah, I remember being in the writers' room, being like, "Mr. Freeze should kind of be like Warner Herzog and Grizzly Man, <laughs> like just kind of like a, a little bit unsettling Eastern European." Catwoman is pretty close to Catwoman, though. Um, but our, our Batgirl is definitely used a little bit more to comedic effect. Oh, wow. Guys, we are so excited about season two. And we, I mean, we could talk to you all afternoon, but I think we should let you go. <laughs> um, please, um, I, I, would, I would love to get you back on the uh, show in the future. And we have to, at some point, hear your take on the Snyder Cut, because I'm sure you have a lot to say on the subject. I know someone who's seen it. Really? See, it, ex it exists. I knew it. Well, it exists. Oh, okay, so hold on. Before I don't like, I know someone who saw the cut of the movie that uh -huh. Snyder did before Joss Whedon then came in. So it wasn't like there was like a Snyder cut that like right, right. existed. I just know right. someone who you worked. Saw, who worked. Go ahead, Pat. Yeah, you, you saw the Snyder assembly. Yes. yes. There you go. He yeah. saw the Snyder Fair assembly. Enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. We can't start rumors like that. <laughs> I know. God, you almost gave us some headlines there. 
the Snyder Assembly. Release the Snyder Assembly is what there they should be hashtagging. What did they say about it? Do you remember what they thought? Yeah, I think I remember him saying that like it was uh it, it was like but it was a musical. What? No, it was a no. musical. I he remember I just remember him saying it was like more visceral, whatever he meant by that i don't know exactly but he just kept being like it was it just was a more visceral film so that sounds like whatever you want to use when you can't describe something yes yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay, i couldn't so... get any gist of whether he thought it was better or worse than what came out i just know that he, he had seen the snyder assembly pat very interesting that it was a musical uh that's a big that's a you know huge revelation for all of us wow crazy yeah Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much, guys. We really do appreciate having you on the show. Thank, thank you, guys. You guys. Thanks, guys. Fantastic. Thank you, Congratulations guys. Congratulations on season two. I, I yeah. cannot wait to get off this and go watch the, the three of them that I have after watching that first one. You always one. brag. So you always good. brag. Like that. I am yeah. bragging. I am bragging. Thank you to Warner I'll Brothers for sending one them. Episode I'm, I'm grateful to Warner watch. Brothers for sending them to me, especially during this time. I need a little light in my life. So uh, thank you to you guys for writing such an amazing, awesome show. No, thank you guys thank for you. being so supportive. Our pleasure, All right, guys. well, um, uh, is there a place that we can tell people to find you guys uh, online? Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm on Twitter at PM Schumacher with a C-K-E-R on the end. It's a weird spelling. Uh, same thing on uh, Instagram. PM Schumacher. And Justin? I am uh, at Justin underscore Halpern, and uh, I don't have an Instagram. Okay. Uh, he does, Roxy, but he doesn't use it. That's true. Roxy Stryer, where's it, where people go to find you? Everywhere at Roxy Stryer. And Mr. Kalinowski, oh, I know you can't be found on Twitter, but come on, people need to cheer you up a little bit, son. Where can they find you? Have him reach out to Twitter support and say, hey, get his, Insta- uh, get his Twitter back. But it's at Mike Kalinowski. Uh, I'm Adam Gertler. You can find me at Adam Gertler. You could also find me at Doghouse. Uh, in Hollywood selling you food. I'm going to go back to my kitchen right now. And uh, actually, we just opened Badass Breakfast Burritos as well. So uh, I know one of you mentioned, guys, that you were made a breakfast burrito the other day. I'm selling them now. So come see us. We'll see you guys next time on DC Movie News. From producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. <laughs>